Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Um, And tonight it's me, Mandy, and I am really, really delighted, finally, um, to be talking with Amanda Townsend. Um, Amanda Townsend is a self-care and self-love advocate who uses her lived experiences of poor mental health to inspire others on their journey to becoming their best selves. Um, And just to give a little context, so I met Amanda Townsend when I was doing my mental health first aider training, and she was my trainer. Um, And I absolutely loved it um, and recommend that training to anyone, you know, just whatever your yeah, whatever sort of field you work in or just personally, like it's such a brilliant course and you were so brilliant as a facilitator. So um, yeah, we got chatting really. And um, after that, I came on your radio show, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, And um, yeah, we kind of just kept in contact. So I'm really, really delighted um, that you're here. Um, So we always start the podcast just by checking in. So um, how are you doing tonight? I'm very well. Thanks. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you for inviting me. It feels like it's been um, a while (laughs) since we've been trying to make this happen. So it's nice to finally be here. Um, You know, yep, we met on the course and yeah, I really enjoyed interviewing you on on my on my radio show, the Mandy and Co show. Um, it was such a profound interview, just learning about your experiences so openly. So thank you, um, and I'm excited to to be interviewed by you and seeing you know <laughs> what, where the conversation goes. Yeah, um, so let's start with the kind of mental health first aider training and and how you got into that um, because I know you're kind of you've got sort of one of the things you talked a lot about on the course is kind of you know from pain to purpose and you know kind of um, using your lived experience to inform us to be kind of better in the workplace and better have better understanding of mental health so yeah what brought you to kind of that that decision to work in that space a number of things brought me to becoming a mental health first aid instructor and so Um, about six maybe seven years I've lost count of the years now it's all one big blur but around six seven years ago um, I ended up I experienced burnout workplace burnout extremely poor mental health um, within the teaching industry I taught secondary education for about nine years and it just it was a real struggle because there were a lot of things going on um, within within self, um, just not being happy within my role. Uh, that just I wasn't fulfilled, fulfilled anyhow. So I experienced burnout, extremely poor mental health. And so I had to just leave and I decided to just uh, embark on a journey of, of discovery, of recovery. Um, I needed some time to just figure out what I was doing with my life. And so I decided to. Um, work at sea on cruise ships just on a spiritual level I was calling I I felt called to just spend time by the ocean and so yeah I found a job on ships working with uh, in the kids club working with children so I did a few contracts and in between was supply teaching and just traveling and I I went on an adventure really just away from the nine to five corporate world the, Mm -hmm. the the concrete jungle of London um, and I ended up then going on a retreat, a women's spiritual healing retreat to Ghana. 
And I met another lady, an older uh, lady who was a mental health first aid instructor. So I was telling her about my background in education. Um, and she said, you know, you should look at becoming a first aider. Come on one of my courses and see if it's something you're interested in. So I said, yeah, great. No problem. Did the, the two day youth MHFA course and I loved it. And I thought I can definitely talk about this. Um, one, I'm coming through a difficult period of poor mental health and two I'm, I like I'm, I'm a teacher I love to teach and inspire other people and so I can bring these two skills um together you know and and I found some purpose I found myself discovering a survivor's mission how can I use this now to to help and insp- inspire others and so that's how the journey began um and then yeah straight away applied to become an instructor and got the ball rolling and so fast forward (laughs) to three years later I'm yeah passionately um still exploring the work that I do passionately delivering you know a number of courses around mental health and well-being to organizations to schools launching uh, the podcast um last year to just normalize the mental health conversation in a fun way you know we sing we dance we have a we just have a laugh don't we yeah um and I think that that's yeah, that, that's it. That's how I, I ended up on the journey. I'm intrigued by the um, the spiritual retreat. Um, yes. tell, tell me a little bit more about, yeah, what that gave you, I suppose, in your recovery. Oh, oh, it was such a magical experience. And so just as, as a, a Black woman, um, you know, working and living and growing up in the UK, racism is an issue. Racism is, an, is a public health issue, in my personal opinion. And I will not hide or deny the fact that I've experienced a lot of workplace racism. Um, And so on my journey or my recovery journey, having the opportunity to go to to Ghana was part of that, being able to connect with my heritage, um, with the motherland. I felt home. I felt like I belonged. I was embraced. I was treated like a queen. Literally, I'd be walking down the street and people would stop their cars and approach me with their business cards and propose to me. And like, it was a really profound experience and I'd never been treated like that in the UK, but in Ghana, I was treated like royalty by men and women. And it was just a really humbling and welcoming um, and healing experience. And so I just, I, it was maybe, I think it was a three week retreat, lots of meditation, um, just activities excursions connecting you know with the local area meeting the local people and I just felt embraced um it wasn't it was a a connection to my ancestors Mm. and so it allowed me to see who I really am away from the environment I had been in for so many years so yeah oh that gave me goosebumps um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast in terms of kind of, you know, mental health and, um, you know, obviously in the conversation around alcohol and addiction, that kind of sense of um, the need of belonging, right? Um, And we've seen patterns within kind of communities of, yeah, people that have experienced, you know, um, racism or homophobia or you know sexism or whatever there's a common bond in the sense of that like you know not feeling that sense of belonging and part of recovery being finding that kind of sense of belonging with other people um so it's really interesting that that's part of your story in terms of you know that 
um, the racism, which is, as you say, so prevalent and, um, uh, you know, a mental health issue and um, something that is needs to be addressed and looked at, you know, very with with a lot of care and attention in, you know, moving forward. Um, so in terms of, you know, you are alcohol free. Um, so what what was the kind of learning around, I, I guess, your training and, you know, and how alcohol impacts mental health to kind of make that decision for you? I mean, you described it earlier when we were talking really lovely, you know, way of just like wanting to see the world, you know, through sober eyes, like wanting to see what it was like to have that kind of connection with your health. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as an expert, what, what does, you know, what was your learning around sort of alcohol and mental health? And then, yeah, what made that decision for you? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to make a disclosure in that I'm not 100% alcohol free. I do drink alcohol, but I drink alcohol for special occasions or um, loosely. So once every in every couple of weeks, I might have a, a drink. Whereas in the past, um, alcohol wasn't something I was um, educated on. Mm. And it wasn't until I started, when I became a mental health first aider and obviously then started delivering the training, <clears throat> I started looking into the effects of alcohol, especially around depression um, and thoughts of suicide. And I recognised that actually this was something that was affecting me negatively. And so that was the turning point in terms of wanting to see the world through a different eyes, because I think across society, we're encouraged to drink alcohol. Um, you know, if you've had a stressful day, we might have a drink or two. And that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You, there, there's a pattern. Um, and so, yeah, well, I got to a point where I was like, actually, I, I want to yeah, experience yeah, the world <laughs> and see what, it, what it's like um, without having to have a drink. If I'm feeling stressed, what's my alternative coping strategy? Um, and so that's yeah that was kind of how it began and then there was a, a key message that we spoke about when I interviewed you as well around well how much alcohol is too much and that answer really gets you thinking about why we do this to ourselves doesn't it mm. yeah and um, a really powerful moment for me when we did the training together was that kind of question around you know how we view self-harm um, mm. you know and it was sort of like you know asking the group so who here has you know has self-harmed and maybe one or two people put their hand up in the, the kind of understanding of what they feel like it is and then you know when you sort of said well you know if you drink alcohol then that that is self-harm because yeah it's harmful to your system was yeah you know a really strong strong message for people I think um it's it's poison isn't it and I always I do enjoy asking that question because, yeah, most people associate self-harm with just cutting mm. um, until you question it further and say, well, actually, we all self-harm, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Degree or not. So it's normalising the conversation. But, you know, I do encourage people to to consider alcohol reduction um, or just becoming sober completely to transform their lives. Mm -mm. It, it is really that powerful yeah and so it's sort of I mean part of the the conversation around mental health as you said was like you know what what are alternative coping strategies can I have and you know and self-care and that was something you you know you you talk about a lot so for you what is your kind of self-care strategies I have so many um water first and foremost first thing in the morning 
and throughout the day I mean I, I, I've developed a relationship with water um, to feel hydrated and I'm telling you water in itself is is the solution to so many life problems <laughs> so water more water um, and I kind of fell in love with the idea of exploring alternative self-care mm. so for example um, I started to explore meditation I've um, started to explore my inner child so things that I were naturally drawn to as a child such as doodling or coloring in and artwork and I'm very creative I, I rediscovered how creative I was so I started putting my energy into things that I forgot that I had an interest in puzzles <laughs> thousand piece puzzles I mean how much <laughs> do you need to be distracted um, from that you know how much alcohol do you need really when you're focusing on a hundred a thousand piece puzzle yeah. that was yeah. my that was the new thing that came on in the pandemic it was like literally there was a moment before they taped up all the toys and stuff in the French supermarkets where there were still puzzles and my husband grabbed two you know 1,000 puzzles and that yeah it kept us going through the pandemic and yeah that thing of like actually oh, I really enjoy doing this and yeah. enjoy doing it together was really nice because you know you forget like what can we do as a partnership um and that was something really nice to share yeah and you talked about um silent going on a silent meditation and that was quite a profound experience for you um something I'm kind of curious but also like yeah quite scared of so tell me a little bit about that so it's, it's definitely not scary. Um, it's called Vipassana meditation. I've only done one and I would love to do it again. Um, but it's a 10 day silent retreat. So 10 days of meditation. Um, you follow a, a timetable for the day. You're fed, you're watered and you meditate. Maybe I think it's twice a day and you have alone time, but no one talks to anyone. You are living with people for those 10 days. Um, and everyone respects the noble silence until the silence is lifted. Um, and so it's just it's the basic principles of meditation that you're learning and every every day that you know you learn something new to in, enhance your your med, your meditation experience um and it was just a really profound thing to do when i got in the car to drive home at the end i remember driving into london and it was so noisy mm. the, the 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 noise pollution the air pollution you could really tell a difference um, to the environment that I had just come from, how busy <laughs> London is and how much that impacts our mental health without even realising. Mm. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend um, people exploring, doing, doing some research on it first. It is not scary. It's just out of the norm. But when you think about 10 days out of 360, it's not a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly something of appeal. And, you know, I I mean, we moved out of the city to the countryside and I know that that's had a huge impact on my mental health. You know, and it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast is that kind of sensory overwhelm being a trigger, you know, and people don't realise, you don't realise like how much your nervous system is kind of, you know, hamped up by noise and, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, by yeah sort of lighting that's not 
quite right or you know just people talking at you or just outside noise and that builds up and that builds up and then you get to the end of the day and you feel super stressed you know and so you you sort of check out into old coping strategies yeah um yeah so you mentioned meditation um what what are the other things that kind of are your self-care um strategies rest became I I love my bed um but I I developed a rest routine so before instead of just going to bed I would make I enjoy a nice soak in the bath um you know with essential oils and candles and you know just mess up learning about pressure points and learning because what I realized when we you know do exercises like the stress bucket you know look at Mm. stress management tools I recognized what some of my stress signatures were around headaches like tension migraines and, and tension so I thought okay how do I release that pressure in my in my in my stress bucket? And it was then through well massage um, and understanding pressure points and so that I can actively work on those areas before rest, for example, um, to make sure I'm I'm getting enough sleep. Um and so incorporating small things like that in, into my day-to-day routine. So just looking at self-care on a holistic level for me. And I think self-care is something is it, it means something different mm-hmm. to everyone. So yeah, it was fine. It was finding what works for me, morning, noon, and night, Monday to Friday. Um, yeah. And um, for people that are listening that don't know, I mean, it's hard to sort of explain it without a visual, but that don't know what the stress bucket kind of is. Can you explain it really quickly? Yeah. So we are our own stress buckets. Um, and when we're talking about stress, we're talking about everyday stresses and we all have different stresses in our buckets. Um, the bigger your bucket is, um, you know, the, the more stress your bucket can carry, the smaller your bucket is, the less stress you can carry. Now, when your bucket overflows with too much stress or pressure, we start to see problems developing such as poor mental health, depression, um, negative thinking, poor um, coping strategies, um, or we manage our containers actually with coping strategies. So either the helpful or unhelpful. Mm-hmm. The, the helpful coping strategies, such as the self-care, will allow the pressure to flow out. So for me, it's regular massages um, and hot baths. And the unhelpful are the drinking, mm-hmm. the unhelpful things um, that are going to block your container and then eventually lead to burnout or poor mental health. So yeah and I think something that really helped me um you know when I sort of you can you know if you're listening to this and you want to see a visual image you can kind of google stress bucket and you'll see it you know you can look at the one for mind and things like that um and something that really helped me was the the understanding that yeah that every any given day that capacity for stress could be bigger or smaller um but also kind of the person that you are you know and 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 your life experiences and things like that that you you know at some points or just generally have less a capacity for to stress you know and so there was always that question for me in terms of my drinking for a long time which kept me stuck was just like you know why can't I be like (laughs) why can't I be like my husband or you know why can't I be like so and so they can drink you know every now and again or they can Mm -hmm. moderate and or they can you know um and that constant comparison and then understanding kind of a their their history but also their personality um that they have more capacity to, to for st- the stress than I do, you know, that I'm, yeah. an, you know, an empath and 
a highly sensitive person and just you know the the absorption of stress mm. for me is is a lot more impactful because I don't just carry my stress I carry my kids and my husband and you know the, the person I saw down the road that looked like they were having a bad day you know all of that I absorb it in and and so that means that I'm l- less resilient to stress so actually I do need m- much more kind of care and attention around my my stress and my yeah my feelings around that I think it's all just off the back of that Mandy it's also about protecting yourself and having Mm. boundaries around yourself because you are an empath and a sponge to other people's stresses emotions energy you have to then protect yourself and that's how you build the resilience that's Mm. so so important um there was something else I wanted to mention vulnerability as well so that ties in with your capacity to deal with stress, doesn't it? And so if you've experienced more vulnerable, uh, more adversity, trauma, et cetera, you're likely to be more vulnerable and therefore not respond as well as someone else might who drinks alcohol yeah. because it, alcohol brings out your vulnerabilities, doesn't it? Mm. it yeah. You know, it suppresses that pain and but then transforms it into maybe a, a night of crying and emotions, yeah. Yeah. outbursts and all sorts. So yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I was thinking about that the other day in terms of, yeah, that the ability to trust yourself, you know, um, where perhaps you haven't had much trust in the world and how important that is for different types of people. Like it's super important for me to be able to trust myself because I am on hypervigilance quite a lot of the time. And, you know, and so I am a little bit scared and worried about, you know, the environment. And so, when I was drinking, the fact that I couldn't 100% trust myself was so impactful, you know, and, and that's one of the things that keeps me, you know, sober is just like, right, I'm never, you know, I'm never, ever putting myself in a position where I don't, I can't trust myself 100% because I need to because yeah. of all the things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the self-care, isn't it? Yeah. The self-care and the self-love, you know, what does self-love mean to me? When you ask those questions, you can you have no choice but to be really honest with yourself and you start to recognize when you are doing things and taking actions, is this me loving myself? Is this something I need to work on? Is this something I need help with? Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good question. Um, so tell me a little bit about your work. So obviously you do the the mental health foundation training, um, but you know, I know you you have other projects and you work with other people. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about that um that's it really I I still deliver it's uh, mental health first aid training um to adults um I the, the most popular course is the two-day MHFA course um where we train people how to spot the signs of poor mental health so panic attacks self-harm suicide psychosis um with lots of coping strategies lots of contextualized examples around case studies so instead of just saying follow the textbook I'm saying this is what the textbook says and this is what it looks like in real life Um, and I do that across a catalogue of courses whether it's for schools uh, parents young people Um, I have bespoke sessions for young people around building resilience uh, being more um, mental health aware um, for young people Um, train organizations I train charities I've recently just finished training an army charity group um and they, they've been doing amazing work just raising awareness because obviously mental health doesn't discriminate mm-hmm. um a male suicide campaign I was I 
worked with them for around just over over a year or so um really targeting spaces where men tend to gather so barbershops tattoo parlors um and that's uh, called be the 12th man because mm. what we know around men's mental health and the, the rates of suicide around men's mental health is that men are three times more likely to to take their lives um, than than women are um and so yeah that's that's a lot of the work that I do is it's training people with these skills and it's such a a beautiful experience or fulfilling experience when you get to the end of that course and people feel so much more confident around mm. having that mental health conversation because I know firsthand what it's like to be discriminated against for experiencing poor mental health I know exactly how it feels and so giving people those those skills those tools and that confidence um one course at a time I couldn't ask for anything more to be mm. fair yeah and so the, the the radio show is on a break at the moment um yes. but the the initial so there's 14 episodes that people can sort of re listen to they're on youtube we'll put all the links below but they're on youtube and um and also well, i don't know where what, else. youtube spotify apple podcasts um all the places it. yeah all, all the places uh so yeah just search the mandy and co show i think mandy your episode was episode 13 mm. i believe off the back of my head don't quote me on it uh, amazing interview do check it out because yeah Mandy's story you may already know it but Mandy's story <laughs> yeah they're like oh not her again <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, let's, let's check out Mandy Ma yeah. we've got two Mandys you know? <laughs> um so yeah tell me a little bit around some of the other guests that are on there and what was the kind of idea behind that yeah so I wish I'd had the opportunity to start it maybe a year before because the idea behind it, I was presented with the opportunity to, you know, be a radio host. And I was like, what, me, a radio host? OK, let's go for it. Let's start, you know, putting some ideas together. And um, I was racking my brain and I thought, what, what am I going to talk about? Well, I thought, well, mental health, we're in a pandemic. We're in lockdown. People are not coping. And just through delivering training on a weekly basis um, and really seeing how much people were struggling, people were telling me this is the most exciting thing I, I have to look forward to is being on this course with you and I thought oh gosh I, <laughs> what can I do to make a mm. difference so music we know uplifts and inspires people um it's something to listen to and it's about normalizing the conversation and so that's the con that was where the concept came from let's talk sing and dance about mental health across diverse communities mm. on diversity radio so it just made perfect sense and um it's just been a really nice journey and what I've really loved about it is just being able to create space for other people to share mm. um, because you can look at someone and think you know them or make your judgments or assumptions until you really sit and listen to someone's story and see who they really are as a human being and what they've had to endure. One of my guests, uh, Lena, uh, Lena Farage, beautiful, beautiful lady, uh, a Muslim lady, I met her at um, Brixton Street Gym in London a few years before and um, didn't know her story, but knew she advocated for, for mental health. So I invited her onto the show. When she shared her story, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing from this stunning woman. You know, it, I, won't, I don't want to give anything away because you need to just experience what I experienced listening yeah. to her. Um, 
profound and she's so strong so resilient and she's there's a pitch of her lift in one of those huge tires yeah the- I've listened to that one it's it's unbelievable yeah yeah so yeah and that's that's what I enjoy because you just don't know what you're going to learn mm, yeah so do you have any projects or kind of future plans what what's yeah what's next for you um next for me is more self-care <laughs> I'm the, I'm my project I'm my biggest project. I love that and so, so you I'm, should be yeah I really am I feel like you know I'm I'm just enjoying being um day by day I'm really trying to my my, my focus or my theme for my focus is flow that is it like just flow and see what comes see what goes and allow it to happen and just mm. flow like that is literally my focus is to just be in a state of flow oh, yeah that's like my favorite that's like the sweet spot of life is flow <laughs> yeah you can get that in a puzzle sometimes <laughs> it's just like did I just lose an hour like trying to find this one bit of you know yeah being in flow how about you same question oh gosh um what projects and stuff like that um um I am well my intention this week was pace and plan um because yeah that's what trips me up over and over again is just um either trying to rush and and then getting myself overwhelmed or not having that kind of preparation so I don't really know where I'm going um and I feel like I am, yeah, in quite a transitional period, like my kids are growing up, my daughter's 16 this year, my son's 14. So, you know, um, God, this is probably the first time I said it without crying, because every time I say this, I cry. But um, yeah, so I need to plan for the next bit of my life, really, you know, what does it look like when I'm not kind of primary being primary caregiver? Um so yeah that's where I'm at I'm kind of looking plodding along just kind of going actually I might actually want to plan Mm. um it's quite the opposite really yeah because I was um I think I need to plan before I can get into flow you know yeah organized flow yeah (laughs) that's that's what I mean the same thing you know yeah organized flow um but yeah you know I'm I'm again just hoping just yeah I'm in this, an energy of receiving new experiences and just yeah abundance and positivity I'm just trying to keep there stay there yeah that's yeah we need it right and I think I was talking to someone the other day about this um and I said oh you're yeah it's what it sounds like is that you're you just really want to stop doing and you just want to be just mm, mm, <laughs> mm. like oh yeah that's what I, that's what I want it's like yeah I think that's what we yeah it's just like just you know come back and ground and and be grateful and just look around and and be you know rather than being in that state of kind of question go, go on what does freedom mean to you Oh, good question. Um, what does freedom mean to me? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does freedom? What does freedom mean to you? No, no, we're not doing that. No, 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 no. This is my interview. 
um, I'm sorry. It's a question I've been I've been reflecting on it for about four or five weeks now. So I've, I've, everywhere I go, I say, "What is freedom?" And I, th- the responses are, are so varied, so interesting. Mm. So that's why I'm asking you. Okay. So what what does freedom mean to me? Freedom means um, living without worry. Hmm. I think yeah I think that's what the shift that I want is to move out of constantly being in a hyper conscious state all the time of like everything and everyone and just yeah to be just like in in it in my life there we go so what I'm hearing is no fear. Mm. Yes, this is the second time fear has come up um, in a conversation around me today. Yes, it would be nice. <laughs> so we need, to, we need to explore our fears, um, bring them to the surface, write them down mm. and then cross them off one at a time. Yeah, yeah um I'm all like <laughs> no this is good conversation because it will get up you know li- people listening will will ask themselves the same question so true yeah yeah and I, I think I'm it, it's always that thing of of being afraid of what you'll see isn't it but I like the fact of yeah writing it down and then you can have a, a kind of a rational conversation with each of those fears. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then let them go. A bit like doing the stress bucket. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly have fear at the moment around, yeah, what what I, what life looks like in, in five years' time. Mm, what the world looks like. I think that's a, a global fear because yeah. there's so what is going on? Yeah. Like what next? We you know, what happened? Is COVID still here? Mm. Like what 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 is and I think that's that's the undercurrent, I think, of mental health in the world mm. at the moment. Yeah. And I think, and again, I think you know what you were saying in, in terms of racism or in you know, in, in your experience, it's like there's another layer you know so it's you you're, you're you're stepping into the fearful world with all the experiences you've experienced up until this point too um so yeah um yeah and what do you do to um yeah combat those fears I suppose what do you do to find your joy you know because you're a really joyful person um and be present in your life and not get overwhelmed by the fear I suppose it's like yeah the bucket overwhelm um <clears throat> there's a number of things that I do but equally it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean fear or anxiety or worries don't ever come up or overwhelm doesn't happen mm. um you know because you can be great throughout the day and then a message comes through at the night and it's like oh do you know what I mean so you just never know when it's going to come mm. it's just learning how to respond to negativity respond to those th- fears or being able to recognize when you're perhaps 
thinking negatively and being able to challenge that negative thought. And where is this coming from? Is this me? Is this someone else? Um, I like to sing. Mm. Music is my go-to, like one of my number one go-tos for uplifting my spirit. You, you, you know, I've either got headphones on or I'm in the car singing or I'm just humming and <laughs> singing. It really is the one thing that I can do automatically, even if I'm just humming you know, or just thinking of a song or just dancing in my head, or that's the one thing I can control quite instantly to bring myself into a good place. And it works. Yeah, I love that. And I think, yeah, for me too, you know, and, and that was such a beautiful thing to kind of come because music was such a big part of my life as a, you know, party person. Um, and I thought that I'd lost that, but be able to transform that as something as a strength and be mm-hmm. like, actually to take those things on. Um, yeah, you know, and dance. I mean, there's a brilliant account on Instagram like that's about dance for mental health and he encourages people to. Yeah, I follow him as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I need to get in contact with him and sort of. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's definitely a big thing in my toolkit is that um, I don't sing as much as I'd like to but yeah I definitely dance and I definitely listen to music to kind of to bring myself out about it but I think that's a really important point that it's like life isn't necessarily always easy but it's about finding strategies that work to cope yeah absolutely um Okay, so we're coming towards the end. We always finish with a um, a tip of the day. So something that, you know, you would give as, you know, um, yeah, something that might help people. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> um, yeah, and your reason to love sober. So that's what, what we always finish with. So your reason to kind of, yeah, what, what, what um, changing your relationship with alcohol has, uh, done for you so something in terms of gratitude oh so there's a few things in there um tip of the day I think the tip of the day is gratitude mm. I think you know gratitude like when you're grateful for something think about a time when you were so grateful that something happened like try it right now try and think of a time when you were like oh my gosh I'm so grateful think about that energy that you feel internally that feeling And I think when you can be grateful and recognize what you're grateful for, that in itself is a feeling and we can control how grateful we are for being here, you know, as much as the world is in chaos, you know, but we can still be grateful for, we can recognize the good in our lives. Um, I think it's very easy to compare our lives to others, especially through the, through the lens of social media. And that is another, another thing I, I would say, to try and take with a pinch of salt because it's not real as such it's not it's just a snippet in time or a picture in time and try not to be led by other people's journeys or experiences perhaps take inspiration of course but um I think gratitude would be my top tip Mm. is is being grateful for whatever you're grateful for um, and being able to recognize that it, it it's so simple it's so simple to do it takes practice though yeah but I love that you know explaining it as an experiential experience because it's so true it's like when you say you know imagine what it's like it's like you can't help but 
yeah feel that energy of like of a smile or a like or a wow or that kind of yeah that feeling of awe um, when you feel grateful and being able to try and sort of embody that uh, on a regular basis is just yeah super beautiful so thank you for that um, and yeah in terms of your kind of changing a relationship with alcohol what's that given to you freedom mm. Yeah, nice. There we go. <laughs> just one word. Just one word for you, Mandy. And yeah. no, but that that was my instinctive answer. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, thank you so so much um, for coming on and yeah, sharing your story and your wisdom. Um, and you know, all the details are below, so people please get in touch. Um, and you know, if you are immediately sort of concerned about your drinking please do get in touch. Um, you know, you can speak to your GP, you can go on Soberistas, they have a anonymous Ask the Doctor service, um, get in contact with us. Um, and, you know, we can always sort of help direct you to the appropriate services. Um, or if you just need a chat and just to say hi, you know, we're, we're always there. So um, look after yourselves and we'll see you next week for more chats. So thanks so much, Amanda. You're welcome. All the best. And um, thank you so much, Mandy. And I look forward to perhaps doing this again. <laughs> Take care, listeners. Bye.